Mr. Chairman, I need to apologize to you for making comment during public comment. I know better than that, but I got so caught up in, you know, I wanted to know from Mr. Sheckman how many hits we get, how many people listen to us at all. So, I, anyway, my apologies. They are, they are out, out there. They just heard you. So thank you for that uh, respite. Uh, approval of minutes. Uh, let's begin with one at a time. 10.1, that's the February 11, 2016. Move approval. Second. Second. Uh, any comment? It's been moved and properly seconded. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. 10.2, which is the March 10th. 2016 regular meeting. I move to approve the minutes with the changes that I've passed out, or that Carolee passed out. Is there a second to that? I'll second. Does everyone have a copy of uh, what's been alluded to as far as the, is this the proposed revisions that were passed out to minutes of March 10th, 2016? That's what you're referring to? Yes, in the red. All right. Uh, any discussion? Um, I, I Go uh, ahead. Um, I, I, ha I had a comment. I distinctly remember voting no on the motion to approve the agenda. Or sorry, the... Oh God, what's it called? It's on there. Um, help me out. The, the personnel, personnel document. document? Um, but I do not remember voting against... Well, there's the first motion on here. To call the question, the question against to abstain. Oh, sorry, never mind. I was looking at a earlier version of this, the smaller one that we were distributed. I, okay. Well, Mr. Well, Chairman, that was I, just for practice. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, every every meeting we have uh, some changes that uh, Trustee Martinson uh, feels she was quoted wrong or misstated, and uh, I, I don't understand, uh, you know, we, we, have, we have a recording process, we have a secretary, and uh, what's said is said, and if this is because she felt she was, you know, you feel you're misinterpreted, but um, I, I'm not going to support these changes. I, th I think it's... Uh, uh, don't think it's necessary. I mean, they, uh, Carol Lead. Um, so my has that responsibility anyway. So my so my concern is that uh, you know that re they really don't change anything, and the purpose of the minutes isn't to record uh, you know verbatim what was said. It's more to record you know, to give an, an overview or flavor of what was said and, and record, more importantly, the actions, which Carolee always does very well. And, um, and I guess my greatest concern is that this tends to take up a lot of, uh, a lot of staff time going back and forth with, uh, you know, these changes and you know, contacting other people, as I was contacted today, did you, did you say this? And, uh, you know, in the back and forth, and, and it's, it's just time-consuming. It, not any of this, you know, adding Dr. Warnell stated, how does that change what that, 
paragraph says. I just think that it's so unnecessary, and it takes up so much time every meeting. I, uh, and I will not support it. I agree with my fellow trustees on the, the belaboring of the minutes for the last few board meetings. I, I do know that they're important. I did second Amy's motion in the attempt to move forward because there aren't significant changes in these. So. Okay. What, what takes a lot of time is all the discussion about it. That's what takes time. This could move very quickly, and if we just... If we just accepted everything you wanted to no, change these, and moved these on. These are related to my comments. <laughs> these are related to my comments, and I want what I say to be accurately recorded. Unless I'm saying something in here that's incorrect, then I think the board should correct it. But otherwise, what takes a lot of time is all the discussion about it. Um, that's what's taking a lot of time. These could have e quickly been approved, and that would have been the end of it. Um, but to prevent a board member from accurately reflecting what they said, I think it goes against our shared values of civility and respect. And it could move very quickly. What takes how up is time the, is all of the discussion is about Warnell, it. How is Dr. Warnall stated, adding that verbiage, what somebody, what you said? Okay. How, how does that reflect because what you said? Because without that, it makes it sound like a fact. How does that reflect what you said? You said you wanted to accurately record what you stated. Right before, it's talking about a statement that I made. The next statement is, this is similar to what is described in Challenge 4. I don't agree with that. It isn't similar. That's an opinion, and it's what Dr. Warnall stated. It's not a fact. I'd so that's why I put that in there. And as far Mr. as the... Chair, just a minute. A I'm, I'm not done. Before I would call for the question. Thank you, trustee. I'd like to finish, please. As far as the last portion, it's actually a Brown Act issue because that is a board action that needs to be recorded accurately, and nobody's disagreeing that the question, that the change is making the board action correct. It's correcting what was stated in the previous minutes as far as a board action. That's a Brown Act issue. It needs to be correct, and it's corrected now. All right. Let's, uh, let me, uh, now, we, we do have an ad hoc committee looking into uh, bylaws and, and about what, what is actually necessary uh, for... Uh, it says in our board bylaws that major points of discussion will be recorded. These are major points of discussion, my points, and I want them accurately reflected. As far as the last correction, it's actually a correction to a board action, and that needs to be corrected. Carolee, did you find that to be uh, inaccurately recorded in your minutes? I had interpreted it differently, but the outcome was the same. So you, uh, we have an ad hoc committee looking into bylaws? That's correct. Could we also have maybe that committee look into censorship, board censorship? There is a policy for that. Uh, the committee is looking at what changes need to be made and cleaned up, yeah. not, not on. But these are opinions, too. Uh, they're stated, not opinions. They're stated as fact, but they are opinions. The first two are my comments, and I'm making my comments more specific to accurately reflect my concerns. The last part is not an opinion. It's a board action. All right, let's, uh, let's take a vote. Take a vote. Uh, all those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Oppose? No. 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 Abstain? I'm actually going to I seconded the motion, so... It's failed on count now, right? Are we moving on? 
I'll make I'll make a motion to approve the minutes as submitted by Carolee. Can we first figure Second. out about the first motion, what the votes were? Yes, go ahead, uh, Carolee. Um, I believe that Amy voted in favor, and all others voted against, and Raphael is abstained. I also abstained. Oh. I, I don't know if we're moving past, but um, I'd like to make a motion to table this to the next meeting, because I honestly don't feel, and um, I don't know if somebody pulled the smaller, I don't know, half sheet of this. Point of now. order, Mr. Chair, I already made a motion to approve the minutes as submitted, yes, so you can't have another second. motion. Go so here a second on uh, second Dan's move and properly second. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Abstained. Abstained. No. So, so I voted no. So what's the count on that? Four to three. Abstained. No, Again, let's, let's three to one to two abstentions. No, so let's do this. Let's. Um, if I have a motion, let's uh, table this to the next uh, uh, meeting. Uh, I'd, and I'd like to make that motion. Time we'll have a. Uh, already well, voted. The vote didn't. The vote didn't. didn't the motion go didn't didn't pass. Didn't pass. Well, because so of the abstentions. There wasn't four. It didn't votes. go no. And then we'll yes. have a report from the ad hoc committee on on what is actually required. I'm sorry. I have three abstentions. You should have three. And then you had a no vote and a uh, two no votes. I believe. Two no's. Who was the other no? Sorry. Um, I was one of the no's. Gabriel I don't know who else was. Gabriel the other no? I think Amy was the other vote, yeah. Um, seeing as we need to take action, I motion to table this until the next month in order to accurately look back because I do remember voting no for the second motion, but for the first one, um, what I tried to do is listen to the recording interspersed between the breaks that we've had, but I wasn't able to find a log of where each specific... Um, and unfortunately, that recording cut off mid-meeting, so you won't be able to, won't be able to hear that. No. Maybe we should uh, also appoint a committee to define each sentence and each paragraph that's uh, submitted in the minutes and, and defined in two different ways so that nobody is in any doubt of what the minutes actually entail. I think, just, and this is just my opinion, to spend this amount of time on minutes as opposed to spending them on more important issues like the bond or our facilities master plan or educational master plan is a poor use of time. Well, that was a point of my motion to uh, accept the minutes as submitted. Again, you didn't. You need to take responsibility for how much time this wasted. The rest of the board, not me, didn't have to. Didn't have to be like this. We have minutes. <laughs> we have. Excuse me, Miss Martinson, but really, the, really. I would never prevent another serious. board member from correcting what they said in the minutes. Let's move on to the next. Uh, can I do that? Do we need a motion to table, or do you just automatically table? I think I could do it. I will motion to table. Yes. So your second. And then I will second Gabriel's motion to table the minutes. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? I think no. I have to abstain because I wasn't here part of these minutes. No. I vote no because I think we should deal with them now, but I guess we won't. So, how do we move forward? We can't. These have to. 
can't table them, then when are we going to come back to them? Because they're going to have to come back. Table, we're just. We're I just think table. you just passed the table. I, I counted a, two no's, one abstention, and four yeses, right? I assume Amy voted yes. The table? Uh, yes. Yep. That way it can come back, right? So Is that the correct count? That you got? That's that's. I have no idea. Okay. I'm sorry. It's two I've months, two months, two board meetings worth of minutes that we need to approve at another month's meeting, right? We're just gonna keep no, we piling them up. We approve Point Februarys. I I don't know what your point is, Kyle. I mean, uh, you know, if you and take responsibility for, uh, uh, you know, for what Amy is saying of of holding it up, but. There is, you know, there's a way to do business that's acceptable, and, uh, you know, this isn't acceptable. In the past, we've always said that we could only correct our own statements, and now I'm being prevented from correcting my own statements. And so if we want to talk about censorship, you, the rest of the board is censoring the minutes right now. Amy, this includes me as a correction, so that isn't just your... As well as uh, your correction for Dr. Warnold. I'm not married to the last part as far as the board action. Wait, so I now we're want married my to statements corrected. Excuse me. My statements. So, a point of order. Um, what I saw just happen was that the board voted on a motion and it felled. You cannot re vote. So, it, the motion felled. So, you either need to make another motion to do something different or you just do nothing. But. The conversation is actually out of order to continue. Thank you very much. So just to clarify on the most recent motion to table, I have um, Gabriel and Kyle and Amy voting in favor of that motion. Raphael is abstaining, and I didn't get Dan, Marianne, and Joanne's votes. No. You did. You were in favor of tabling? You were opposed. No, you so then that motion, it passes. but we're tabling well, these actually, minutes. That's <laughs> advisory. But we, we still have two to five. So. Yeah. Oh. Sorry, Michael, what was your vote? Abstain. Information items and discussion. 11.1, general obligation facilities bond feasibility update. Thank you. A um, couple things. Let's, let's talk bond for a, a bit here. Um, in previous months, the board, I'm going to just refer to some of my notes, and then I have something that Carolee will show up that, that we can kind of read from. I think you have that uh, statement. No, you do not. I will read it. That's fine. Um, so um, the board actually, over the past um, really year and a half, has been discussing the general obligation bond off and on. And, and it was really about feasibility of it. It started with an after-action report um, last year when we looked at the kind of lessons learned from Measure N, et cetera. And part of those things were about doing a timely um, – a timely approach to bond, listening to the community, having um, a, all of our major documents, planning documents, fully vetted, 
having constituencies on board, et cetera. So over the past year and a half or so, we've been dissecting this conversation. There's three really main points I think that I'd like to bring. First, the, the necessity for infrastructure at the college is undeniable. There are, there are deep resource needs that the college uh, cannot fulfill from, from regular sources. And, and those include technology updates, infrastructure updates, some modifications, some um, infrastructure. Um, uh, you'll have to help me on the, on the term, Matt, for earthquake. It's not repair, but it's seismic upgrade. Thank you. Um, and, and, and so forth that have been with the college for years, and, and we need to address those. Additionally, I think as we started down the process of the educational master plan and we started looking at the, the identified needs at the college, some other things started to poke up, the, the need for ex more expansive lab space, larger lecture areas, um, the, the need for um, student services and more, more convenient and um, uh, deep one-stops. Um, and, and with all of that, I started really listening to you as the, as the Board of Trustees and the, and the questions, um, engage the, the faculty leadership, the classified leadership, students' leadership, um, and the community. And, and I think uh, it, it really boils down to kind of what I want to, I'll just read it to you so I don't, I don't kind of miss it, but although a strong case can be made by the college, to the community that approval of a district bond measure would improve higher education opportunities for Napa Valley residents. It's become obvious after talking with my staff, college faculty, staff, and student leaders, trustees, and other community leaders, I might say, that a much stronger case can be made for a, a bond, general obligation bond measure in two years. And I'm proposing that the board consider June of 2018 after our educational facilities master plan, technology master plans have been completed, and we've taken the necessary steps um, and time as a college to consult, gain input, and finish the necessary steps to better understand their implications, and then to integrate these into a comprehensive budgeting and planning process. That supports a future bond. So simply put, our needs are real, but one of our greatest needs is time to adequately integrate our plans and clearly explain them to the community. We need time to listen, concentrate on working with the community to address our needs, and then fully develop input and share that plan for moving forward. So meanwhile, I, I hope that we'll continue to pursue other blended revenues and philanthropic funding opportunities, sorry, that will make our college more sustainable and our community stronger. So it, it's going to be the, the staff's recommendation that the board listen to this kind of deeper level of conversation and I've certainly um, spoken with m many folks, in including individual board members. I haven't shared with you what other folks have been thinking. But, it, but I think it's important that you recognize this. So I think part of the reason that this is on here tonight and Joanne asked for this question was to address it in a timely way. So and this is a discussion item. So I, you know, I'm fully open for conversation or discussion or your reflection. And, and um, I'd like, like you to hear that in light of the recommendation so I can be clear, which is I think the college needs to do the right thing, postpone this, delay it until June at least of 2018 and work from there.
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, I would just say that, um, you know, I've heard what Gabriel has said about some classroom needs and other people throughout the campus and uh, just what I've seen for myself. And I think that it's undeniable that the need is there. I think that the time would be good rather than with everything that's happening this election cycle. And um, really, I would love, I would feel really, really good about it if when we're standing on street corners with signs that these guys are all standing on the street corner too with us. So whatever that means, how we can get there, that's the most important piece of this. So, you know, I'm sure you're... Well said. That's where you are and where you'd like to be, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's, that would, for me, that would do it for me. That would say, yeah, okay, the timing's right. Yes, I have a comment. I think this is a, a great recommendation. I think giving it more time to work with the community explore some of the other areas of bringing in some income, additional revenue, uh, and also focusing on some of the projects like the Pathways Home and revamping our Vintners program and just doing a lot more community outreach is a really good idea. And I think you did a great job working with administration and the rest of uh, our campus community on exploring this. I I think definitely we're not ready now. Hopefully we'll be ready in 2018. I, I like the fact that um, you mentioned certain things that need to be in place. I think um, the college right now has a lot on its plate in terms of updating its plans, also working through the issues from accreditation. Um, and I think also during these years we can focus on um, – addressing our budgetary issues to demonstrate to the public that we can be fiscally responsible um, with any monies that we get. And so um, I think it's good to postpone to either 2018 or even 2020 um, during a general election. It's always a good time to have a bond as well. Yeah. Well, what I like is that it gives us adequate time to get input from the other constituency groups about what they think how they see the college moving forward, not just in terms of new facilities and upgraded facilities, but the entire uh, master plan, so to speak, but also the bigger picture of how we move move forward. It, it's, it, it's not just a board-driven issue. So that, I think that's the best part of this proposal. I, I think the, um, the issue... It, what, what in the year 2000, the uh, education, uh, higher education was told in 10 years, the careers that are going to be, uh, um, the careers of the future, we don't even have a, you know, we didn't even have an, an, a, any basic understanding of what they possibly could be. And I think we've moved through this technology so fast, particularly uh, the K-12 system that's gone digital that, that uh, and is just, you know, beginning, the infrastructure is there, they're, they're beginning to, 
to uh, have more development of the technology. So I think waiting till 218 or 218 is uh, is going to benefit that as well. I mean, what we might build right now may be not obsolete, but certainly not cutting edge by the time. But the technology, I think, is a is a big piece of it. But the other thing is that the work that Doug has done um, in terms of uh, the connection, the, the media connection to the college. And this Pathways program, I've had several people mention to me that since it was in the paper that, wow, this, you know, Napa College is really stepping up with some of the, uh, you know, the hard programs that, uh, uh, you know, this is not going to be a, a uh, an easy program to um, uh, to deal with just because of the complexity of the issues that the veterans have, but they're also the uh, taking a closer look through uh, the workforce development at the basic other community needs. Right now, housing is the you know is the buzzword. You know, Cass Walker that presentation that that. Uh, uh, that she did. So, you know, I think the timing, uh, waiting the two years, is definitely something that, that we that we should do. But at the same time, this is the time to start with the faculty and, and the other constituent groups. I mean, their ideas, uh, their, their in, you know, programs that they may see in terms of uh, development. I mean, it's moving into this new... Uh, moving non-credit into a, another form of credit, whatever that's called, uh, you know, that Terry's talked about. So there, there are a lot of things to be looked at. And I guess if we're going to look, I, I would support looking in that direction, but at the same time uh, that our agenda would reflect that for the rest of this year, at least on the agenda for some sort of discussion or other thinking Every other month, but then we get into seventeen monthly, and um, so that it's you know continually on the uh, on the forefront for us. But I, I appreciate the work that you've done to be able to you know put this on paper and bring it forward. So not an easy thing. Thank you. After we, I'd also like to hear from the constituent groups. Please sorry, in, but Raphael. Uh, oh, thank you. I thought you were going to no, no, completely I, skip me you're again. My, you're my left-hand uh, man. <laughs> uh, well, it, it sounds like we are all probably in, in agreement on this one. Um, I think, and I don't think I'm saying anything really different, but I think really where we need to start is, you know, getting to the faculty, the instructors, and asking them to tell us, because I know we, we know that there are needs for space. We've specifically talked about the labs, outdated labs, but we haven't really heard from, you know, the other areas. Um, but I think we need to start there to have them tell us, assess what their, the need is for space, what we have now, um, how much more we need for the different programs, uh, what we can do with whatever money we have for facilities, um, and develop, you know, the budget, you know, tie it to the budget. How much do we actually 
need, where is it going to come from, uh, to try to get there? Um, are there you know, other grants, are there whatever? And, and show why, specifically why we need the facilities bond. Um, and we all have ideas about what programs might be coming and all that, but I think if we can't show that clearly and simply in some documentation, showing that need and the assessment um, and you know how much we, we need to get where we need to be, I don't think we'll, we'll be successful. Um, I think it comes down, we have so many plans, some of them that are now being completed, uh, I feel like, you know, finally, um, you know, somebody talked about the glacial pace with, <laughs> you know, how things move here, and, and that was new to me too, you know, never having uh, worked in education and with all the restrictions and everything that goes along with it. I'm not saying that it's all bad, but when you come from the private sector, you expect to move a lot faster. But um, I think if we don't do that groundwork, uh, we're still not going to be successful because even though we may understand it, we can't communicate it clearly to the community or the constituents. Um, so uh, I'm all for delaying it, but I would love to for us to develop a plan and timing for getting these things you know, from the other groups um, so that we can do that, that assessment and that budgeting. Uh, and determining how much money we need. Can we can we have like a workshop where we put a timeline together um, that would be really specific? This month we you know check this off the list and that type of thing. Whatever that those things would be. But maybe a workshop to do that. Would. No, I think that's a, a, a great idea. Can I comment now, and or would you like to? You want to weigh in? Okay, I'd like to hear from yeah, Diana please. And, okay. Chris. I mean, you get around the state and mm-hmm. lots of conferences, lots of things happen. Plus, you're in front of students, and we'll hear from uh, Gabrielle in a bit. But please. Um, However, I would. So I guess I would. Uh, preface my comments by saying that I've had uh, the opportunity this semester to uh, come to the facilities committee uh, meetings. Uh, the Our Senate appointees um, couldn't make it, so I decided to go. And I've had the opportunity to work with Matt, and I'm not going to steal Matt's thunder, but um, the idea of working from a place of looking at our programs, really looking at them, where there's growth or where there isn't, and beginning, beginning the conversation of integrating that with the, in, what we have in the way of existing facilities and where the gaps obviously are or where we're still discerning gaps, that takes a while. And I know, I know, it's, the term glacial has been used a couple of times tonight. And it's not a matter of restrictions. It's a matter of conversation, too. And the fact that, you know, the, the idea of shared governance means, yeah, you get to hear from everybody, and that doesn't go quickly. And, um, but I think if we do it smartly, and I really do want to take this opportunity to thank Dr. Kraft. Um, he first came to Academic Senate Exec last week, and then... Uh, this past t- Tuesday at our business meeting was not able to join us, but I 
but ported this for me to read to the uh, the folks assembled there. I appreciate, I very much appreciate, and I, I believe, certainly I'm speaking for my exec, uh, appreciate his thoughtfulness and his willingness to pause and do allow the time to take this work that we have now put into this education master plan, drill down from it on a program level and begin to integrate it with facilities. That really is the best way to get, at least from a Senate point of view, the faculty buy-in that I think is absolutely essential um, based on the consultant's report the last time we went out. So, okay. Matt, are you in the structurally safest part of this room? Is that why you're back there? Yes. <laughs> Do you care to comment uh, on He's in the FMP? Uh, FMP, yes. All right. All right. All right. Very good. I asked. So one, I'd like to um, echo um, Amanda's comments. Um, so ditto. But I also think that in having that dialogue, we have to make some decisions as an institution in the scope of our mission. So we have in our Edmaster plan. Um, some delineated data around um, vocational programs and career tech programs and the viability of some of those in the, the, in the coming market. We also have the issue of emerging programs that are big in the state and also big nationwide. But our college has to make some difficult decisions and think about the scope of what sort of an academic um, institution we are and what programs we are actually going to offer and we need to make a decision about the quality of those programs. So you can't just look at enrollment data for that because some programs have lower enrollment because we don't have the facilities or we have antiquated equipment or we don't have consistent full-time faculty in those programs. So it's not so simple to actually just look at what is data. You have to look at what's coming and use some projections and, and so forth and make those decisions. But we also have to remember that we are a college and a college has a wide variety of programs that it should offer per the mission in the state and ed code and per our own um, m local mission. You can't have a college of just one type of program. You can't have a college of math and English because then it's not a college because no one will come here just for math and English. We don't have the other programs and vice versa. So we have to have the, that dialogue about where is our emphasis, what programs are we going to offer, and then we need to be sure that we create program spaces with equipment that actually meets the needs of students so they're prepared for the workforce or for uh, additional education. But until we have that dialogue, deciding what buildings we need and what we need to put in them, it's just a hypothetical wish list if we're not really actually going to make decisions about the program offerings that we have for students. Thank you. Gabriel, your comments as a student. Um, well, all I have to offer from, uh, since I'm the only student in the room, I suppose, um, is that, uh, first of all, I'd like, I'd like to echo the other trustees' comments. They've all made great points about what's been happening. But what we need to do on our end, from the student end, is that we need to make sure that we're responsible for fostering student voice on campus. Um, <coughs> we need to look at the diff different resources we can use to reach out to them because we've tried multiple times throughout the semester, and I know prior boards have tried the same thing, but there's a lot of student apathy on campus when it comes to college governance because the traditional view is that you go to college 
and you're there and you don't really have an opinion about what classes you, know, you want to see offered. And I think that's one of our failures of this semester, um, at least as our board, or sorry, this whole year. Um, so we need to look at how we can reach out to enough of those students to, to have that discussion, especially about uh, large issues like that, because we've been represent we've been voted in by, in all honesty, a really small amount of students. Um, I think the largest vote tally that one of our students got was 160. Oh, sorry, 168 student or student votes, um, and on a campus of 6,000 students, that's that's a really small percentage. So um, that's something we're still trying to work on. Um, and then we also need to, and I've had this discussion with my own board members because we've had, I don't want to, I'm not going to put anybody on the spot, but we've had a lot of members that just don't keep up with what it is they need to be doing. And ultimately that does lead to the downfall of our organization. So um, I've been, for I mean, for the last two weeks, I've been trying to look for a student members that are interested in running for associated students that actually do have the initiative, the, the drive to want to go out and improve things here on the college campus. Um, and hopefully we're, we're going to run together and we're going to try to get something done because, you know, we, we organize events. We try to talk to our student constituents, but ultimately we failed and, um, you know, I'd hate to be so negative, but it's 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 I'm being honest. Um, another thing that I'd like to say is that I'd like to look at, especially because I'm a sitting member of the board legislative committee, to see how we can look into different pieces of legislation statewide that would help uh, increase funding for higher education in California, especially the community colleges, since we are so underfunded. But this isn't. This isn't a conversation that only we're having, you know, CSU faculty is striking, or I think is about to strike. Or no, CSU did. Right. <laughs> you know, um, I just got an email today that the City College faculty is planning to strike soon. You know, all, a lot of different colleges have needs, and ultimately what we need to do is we need to focus on that as a state. So that, that's all I can offer. Thanks. Marianne, you had a follow-up? Chris, go ahead. I'll be brief. Uh, because of timing, we haven't had a full Senate discussion with it. Ron brought this to me a couple days ago, so I've only had a chance to talk to the senators about it. And I do want to commend Dr. Kraft. I think he, in this statement, he is accurately assessing the pulse of the campus. Um, I'm just sitting here, I'm reflecting back, I think in December I shared the word Kadima with you, which is the Hebrew word for forward, moving forward. At that time I shared it because I felt like we are building momentum and moving forward and it would be, to me, I think if we tried to do a bond this year, it would stifle that momentum because we'd be rushing it. Um, and referencing the term glacial, uh, we might move glacially, but once a glacier decides which way it's going, nothing gets in its way. Thank you. And on that, we all have to remember that on this day and a few years ago, the RMS Titanic had a chip off the old glacier and went down. 
And with and with climate change, yes. glacial pace is actually yeah. moving a little bit quicker than it used to. So that's that's you know my my sense is you know I appreciate hearing from all of you. I think it's uh, um, there, there's some good good facts out there to act on. Uh, the other part is the urgency, and I'll use one more glacial reference. Had the Titanic sped up, it would have missed it. Um, so the uh, – and reading the report, mm-hmm. yes. So the, the, the other part is, is putting together, as we've heard, that plan to, to – uh, uh, with definite milestones on it and, and definite understanding of who we want to be when we grow up and, and – uh, per the mission and per the community and and ensure that those resources are in place to be able to uh, accommodate those those uh, changing or evolving industries that we don't even know about but we're expected to teach to. So uh, I've had communications uh, this past week from uh, employers in this community wanting to know uh, why haven't we hired this instructor or when are we going to do this, and, and so on and so forth. Um, uh, we need to understand that. We under, need to understand that need and what, what pays and um, keep this, this uh, a, a viable community resource. Any other comments from the... I just wanted to... I think you yes, yes. brought up a great point, Mr. Chair, in uh, working with our local business owners in the community and seeing what what type of jobs are available in the community and what our local employers are looking for. I think that is something that we need to look into. Yes, Dr. Um, So I I appreciate very much this conversation um, because I think it is really important. I I just want to touch on a couple of things that were said. The idea of us being a sustainable college and having the right programs that to serve this community um, and doing it in a way that we can afford as we move forward. I and and it was part of it as we're talking about programs, but I also want to kind of f- um, focus on that last thing that Dr. Kraft said about in the meantime, looking at blended revenue and philanthropic funding um, be, because there are some things that are urgent and um, and those deal with our enrollments, and they also deal with some areas where we clearly are not serving our community because of our, of our facilities. And, and so the one that I'll use as the example are our chemistry labs. Um, we, we turn students away in chemistry because we don't have both adequate facilities and sufficient faculty. Um, and so, and that's just one example. It's not the only example because there's some other areas of that. So as we move forward, as we've discussed in looking at a bond, we also need to be looking at um, moving certain parts of the glacier a little bit faster because if we wait until um, 2018 or 2020 for a bond, even after we pass the bond, it will be three to ten years after the bond before we actually see an impact of that bond. Um, and, and we have a number of things that are more urgent than that. And so, you know, I would hope that the board would help in a leadership role um, to help us look at other options in our ability to meet some of our needs um, as we move forward. Yes. Um, one of the, the things I hope we do, I, I think it's an opportunity to kind of related to what I was saying about fiscal responsibility is to look at 
how we can work with what we have, with the budget we have, and part of that is facilities maintenance. Um, I have the impression that a lot of projects have been deferred with the hope that we're going to get a bond, and now that that is several years off, I'm wondering if we need some kind of an assessment of what the current needs are and how we're going to fund those maintenance projects. Uh, I don't know what percent of the budget right now goes to maintenance, but um, based on conversations, I, I have the impression that not a lot, and that maybe a lot of projects are being deferred. So I'm wondering what are the immediate needs in terms of maintenance and, and how we're going to fund those things with, in the absence of a bond. Let me recap just a little bit. Th thank you. I appreciate the conversation and, and the support, and I think that's quite right. heard a couple things. Overarchingly, when you make this kind of decision, there's a paradigm shift, using another educational term, where talking about the bond in the future no longer seems dangerous. You know, n n now it feels as if we can have a, m a meaningful conversation about something that, that will happen. And, and I, think, I think it is one very viable source and probably the most viable source for many of our infrastructure needs. And so I'm, I'm eager to start to talk about a timeline. And as you know, as I said before, you know, if it is June of 18, that will be here very quickly. And so we're really talking about doing a measured amount of study, especially l listening to faculty input on this. There's, there's some, and maybe what I heard from everybody, there, there are some fundamental questions that we really need to address about how the college is going to operate, what, it, what it's going to be for the community, and how we approach that. Second I heard really is, is determined through this uh, analysis is to really work forward to do the best with what we have currently, be good stewards of, of what, we, what we can do. I appreciate Terry's comments about resource and the development of resource. I think it's going to be critical. And I think this valley can step up in some ways to really help, and you've heard some of that. The other integrated piece is really engage the student, and I, and I will work with you on that, Gabriel. Um, so um, bottom line, I think this has to come a little more front and center. I think putting a workshop together would be very appropriate. Um, Matt is going to do a, uh, a presentation on the facilities master plan, short kind of update. Um, tonight, but can also follow up on some of the other questions, Amy, that you, you raised in terms of deferred maintenance, which we don't like to use the deferred word. We use, you know, some other kinds of things, but I think that's the reality of it. Um, so thank you very much. I appreciate this, and um, we'll wrap it up with there unless there's other general comments. Okay. Mr. Chairman, uh, in light of the hour, uh, is there anything that says we have to do the education master plan tonight for us to start that to be 9.30, but it just doesn't seem fair. I mean, all the time has been spent in working on this. Uh, it should be on an agenda where it's one of the first things that, uh, you know, uh, we go through, something like what we did with the, maybe the assessments. Pardon? With the SLO? Yeah, except give it even more time. I don't think we gave them enough enough time. But anyway, I... Uh, is an action item. So yeah, I would. Uh, I would urge the board if you if you don't do anything else to address that one piece. It's it's been a very lengthy process with a lot of moving parts, and um, it's here for you. I mean, it's it's gone through about every kind of of piece no, it could. I, yeah, so my only issue is uh, that, and you know, I I 
know I'm the oldest one sitting here, but, you know, uh, it's just not going to get its good due because we're tired and because, you know, you got to pull yourself. Anyway, fine. It's, you know, it's just a suggestion. Well, I think, I think, Joanne, if we've all, you know, read through it and it doesn't seem like there should be anything too controversial about it. Yeah. All right, moving right along, 11.2, student success scorecard. 2016, Dr. Kraft and Dr. So I would, I guess I would urge staff to hear the message to keep it brisk, but thorough. Unfortunately, this item I cannot do that on, as I will explain in a minute. So. Yeah, and that not, wasn't what my comments were related right, to. It's exactly. just the, you know, how much you can uh, take in and what you can do with it. So please don't. Okay. So um, the student success scorecard is part of MVC's regular reporting system for monitoring and evaluating performance. And the scorecard is unique among MVC's annual reports in that it is coordinated by the chancellor's office. So the scorecard is required by the state legislature, and the legislature and the chancellor's office work together to develop the scorecard to ensure public accountability. Uh, the Chancellor's Office releases the scorecard to the public via its website each March, and results for individual colleges or the system as a whole can be selected via a drop-down menu on the Chancellor's Office scorecard website. Uh, on the website, results are tracked amongst students that were prepared for college when they entered, those that were not prepared, and by demographic group, meaning uh, uh, those groups defined by gender, age, and race, ethnicity. Uh, and I should say that the link to the scorecard is included here as well as in your agenda item, so you can explore at your leisure. Um, so uh, um, research analyst Chris Farmer uses the scorecard data to compile a local report, which includes narrative and compares MVC's performance to that of the California Community College system over the most recent five cohorts. Uh, MVC's internal report for 2016 is posted on the Board of Trustees website associated with this agenda item, and it is also on the RIPI website. Um, as indicated here, there are three types of indicators that are reported on the Student Success Scorecard. Um, the, the categories are completion, momentum points, and remedial progress rates. And as indicated, the slide uh, lists the seven scorecard indicators among those three categories. So I have included some bragging points for you, so you can take notes if you'd like. Um, MVC might can be considered unique among the California community colleges in that we tend to perform well on each of the seven scorecard indicators. Among the last cohort included in the 2016 scorecard, MVC exceeded the mean and median performance levels among all community colleges uh, on all seven indicators. And on the four that I've listed here, uh, MVC exceeded the 75th percentile. Uh, also, over the past five cohorts, MVC has improved performance on all seven indicators, and we've increased an average of 4.8% across those indicators. Uh, so part of the requirement established by the Chancellor's Office and the state legislature is that local governing boards interact with the data presented in the scorecard each year. So that's why I said that this is not the item to <laughs> uh, truncate. Um, so I will need to submit the minutes from tonight's meeting to the Chancellor's Office as evidence um, that you have interacted with the 
data and to demonstrate that the board is aware of recent performance. Um, but before I get to that, um, I've asked Chris to provide some additional information that's focusing on the student progress and achievement rate and differences in the performance of students that were prepared for college-level work when they entered and those that were not. Okay, so this is, this is kind of the big daddy of the student success score credit. This is the student progress and achievement rate. This is the proportion of students that began within the cohort year and then they had six years to complete at least one of the measured outcomes, which is degree, certificate, or transfer to a four-year institution. So those proportions represent the proportions of that new incoming class. Uh, students are placed in this if they attempt an English or math class. That's how they determine that they're degree or certificate seeking. And what this one has, this is a unique one within the scorecard report in that you have two trend lines there. And the purple trend line are NVC unprepared students. Those are students that start in a basic skills English and or basic skills math class. And then yellow line is the students that start at all college level classes. And as you can see, we're trending up in both of them. But if you guys remember last year, you saw this exact same graph. And what we pointed out was there's a 30% gap between our prepared students and our unprepared students. Now, the other elements of this uh, graph, does anyone remember from last year what the graph's called? Box and whisker, yeah, box and whisker graph. Um, because the box represents the middle 50%, and then the whiskers represent the range across the or all community colleges. So you can see the, the college prepared in the most recent, we are right at the top of the range for the entire state in terms of uh, achievement amongst our college-prepared students. Now, one side note is that that group is actually shrinking. So as you go left to right across the graph, we have fewer college-prepared students while the rate goes up. Um, so that is the general overlay of how to read a box and whisker, and the report is full of them. So I'm here to answer any questions about this or anything else you have about the data. Just a real quick question. How many college-prepared for students versus? I believe the cohort of college prepared is about 180 students versus about, you're going to make me, it's about 500 or so. Do you have the number, right? Is it about, it's about 500, between 500 and 600, I think, in the unprepared. So much, much bigger unprepared cohort. That's related to my question. I, I heard the statistic, but I forgot what, what percent of students coming in are unprepared. It was 70-something, not just NBC, but across the state. It's across the state, yeah. For most colleges, it's above 70% for us. If you look at our assessment test scores, most it's above 80% of our students are placing below in at least one category or the other. So above 80% are unprepared in either math or English. Do we know what percent are unprepared in both, by any chance? Both? Well, it would be about... Let's see, it's about 600 out of 800. So it's about two-thirds in this cohort. Now, one big weakness of the SPARC cohort is if a student never attempts a math or English class and leaves after the first semester, they're not even included in this cohort. So the proportion within this cohort is actually smaller than the students that are showing up at our door. So it's fair to say most students coming in are unprepared. Yes, I, that's a fair statement. One more curiosity, I'm sorry, you guys, but uh, is 
what kind of trends, like what would you reflect this or what's reflective? Is this the unified school district maybe failing to prepare some of our students or? Well, I don't want to point fingers. I, mean, I don't want to point fingers either, but, but are there um, trends that you well, look at? Well, I mean, it's, it's sort of the nature of the students that are coming to community college. It, it's, it's a statewide thing. I mean, there are a lot of students are placing low in the sequence. It's also maybe reflective. I mean, when we came and we'll come with the equity plan in a little while, one of the things we'll see with the equity plan is older students place lower in the sequence. And, of course, we have a lot of non-traditional students here because they've been out of high school for a while. Um, you know, we accept everybody here. So I think that's part of it. And one thing that I would just add to that is that um, in the context of both um, the student success scorecard now and its uh, pre its predecessor that was um, at the accountability report, um, we've been uh, um, discouraged to uh, uh, discouraged from comparing um, ourselves to other um, peer groups or other um, you know local community colleges. But um, the way that um, Chris and I provide some context for that is through the box and whisker plots, and you can see that whether it's whether students are prepared or unprepared, we're in that upper tail, at least in the past um, couple of observations. And so we're performing better than uh, 75% of California community colleges. And the idea is that, you know, if we're receiving similar populations of students, whether they're older students or directly from K through 12 who need to be remediated, um, that that we're performing better than our peers on average um, across the system. Um, So... Just to get an idea what the challenge, you know, the challenge is. Um, so you said maybe like 80% in one, either or, either math or English. Do you know specifically English? Because math you can avoid. You know, you maybe you don't go into a math-related field. But English, that crosses all the subject areas. Do you know what the percentage is for English? I have the percentage right off the top of my head. It's in the fact book. I want to say it's in the 70% range for English. Math is the higher one. Thank you. Uh, I had a question about, um, so I know that this falls more under the domain of the student equity plan uh, that we looked at in December, but I was wondering why the student success scorecard, um, and it might just be a chancellor's office mandate, but why that doesn't break it down by different um, ethnicity and race groups or ages, um, things like that. And and it actually does. We just, for the purposes of this report, it's just the overall institutional trend. On the website, you can get it. And then when we do the equity plan report, it is exactly these cohorts. And that is the report where we'll break it out by race, ethnicity. Yeah, so on the Chancellor's Office website, uh, as Chris mentioned, you can look at um, the breakdowns by um, gender, age, and uh, race, ethnicity, also obviously prepared and unprepared. Um, It also, alongside the rates for each of those, Subpopulations does uh, report the N, so the size of the um, cohorts, so you can see that on there. Last question I had was, um, this is the 2016 scorecard, but the data only goes up to 2010, and when you did your presentation at the high school counselor breakfast, you mentioned that the best colleges was based on 2011, and I was wondering why it would be based on such old data, but here it only goes up to 2010 as well. Is there a reason why they are so far, so many years back when they give this data or when we report this data? It's the nature. I mean, they give them six years to complete is really what it is. And then uh, iPads data, which was the presentation at the high school breakfast, gives them four years to complete. So there's always going to be that natural lag. So this is students that started in 2009, 2010 and followed them all the way through 14, 15. So actually this data ends 
last spring. Yeah. So it's, it's every one of those represents six academic years. And that's, uh, as Chris was saying, the methodology for the SPAR rate is that they get six years to complete. And that 2014-15 uh, is the most recently completed academic year. Then, um, based on the Chancellor's Office um, submission dates, when we're required to submit our MIS data to them, they allow a bit of a, sorry, a, bit of a lag for that to mature. And then they um, start to generate the report in January, and we're given the opportunity to resubmit if there's anything um, crazy like there isn't. Uh, you know, there are no students in one of our cohorts. And so um, then it's finalized in March. So that's the reason for the lag is that that's the most recently completed. I'll I just add a comment if I can. I, I, to, to me, one of the challenges, so to speak, is, you know, clearly we have this upward trend this, that, is, that is good. And where we are in regard to both prepared and un underprepared students is good compared to other colleges. To, to me, the challenge is what are we doing that's causing that so that we can figure out what is it that Napa Valley College does. And, you know, we could sit here and name all those things, but the key is if we can identify the things that we are doing so that we can do more of that so that we can bring these numbers even further. And so... Um, and that's the idea. The, the other part of it, though, um, and, you know, we're not talking about it tonight, but we will later on when we talk about the IEPI goals, um, is that um, we, we also are expected to set goals for these to try to improve. But, but it's difficult to achieve improvement if we don't know specifically what it is we're doing um, to cause these numbers to go up. And so, um, so that's really, from my vantage point, the challenge is to figure out what, what we're doing so we can do more of that so that we can inc continue to increase those numbers or actually trend up even at a higher um, slope. Marianne, did you have a question? Just yes. yes. Mm -hmm. All right. Very good. Thank you very much. 11.3 facilities master plan update. We should all stand and stretch. Huh? Oh, feels good. So in, so in the interest of time, I will do my best to keep this brief, but I do want to address a couple things th that were said. Uh, first of all, related to the bond, I do appreciate the... Uh, additional time as well because one of the things that I've maintained is is for the facilities master plan to move forward and to develop a new plan we really need to be looking for the educational master plan to be completed and, and we're getting really close for that here a few minutes so uh, the facilities committee has been working for some time on a new facilities master plan our goal has been to link the new plan to supportable data from the educational master plan and other institutional plans and planning processes. The plan will include new construction, modernization and reconfiguration, as well as infrastructure components. From uh, Through the process of the educational master plan being uh, developed, uh, the facilities committee, and I've been as close to that process as I can so I could see the drafts and the iterations so we could try to pull out some of that information. And what the facilities committee has identified the following needs from the educational master plan drafts as it's been working through the process. Uh, we have a need to add larger classrooms, and we define those as being 50 or more students. Uh, we need to add lab space, as Terry mentioned, in physical sciences. 
but also in the EMS program. Uh, it's very clear to us that we need to upgrade classroom technology throughout the campuses. Uh, and additionally, we need to enhance the student experience on campus, and that came through with the other comments related to the Student Activity Center and also from the foundation. That's something that we really see as a need. That's something that we need to be working forward. Uh, the Facilities Committee also has been pulling needs from other sources, such as the Scheduled Maintenance Report, Student Services Plan, uh, work that the Technology Committee is doing, previous facilities master plans, uh, and also stakeholder groups. And through that, we've identified additional student service spaces needed, uh, which includes larger welcome center for the students visiting campus, and also because of the SSSP and other categorical programs that are re receiving a bulk of the funding right now from the state, we need to make sure that we have adequate space and facilities to meet those growing needs. Uh, we've also identified student success centers, uh, technology needs that are more campus-wide related to fiber and cabling, and also the IT infrastructure uh, for IDFs and MDF to get the data around campus. And then on the uh, infrastructure side, we're looking at utility upgrades, roofs, mechanical equipment, walkways, path of travel, parking, and athletic fields. The plan will also include external links to plans as much as is appropriate related to things like the Kennedy Park Master Plan. So we see some real close ties where the uh, college can become involved in that process as well. Uh, we're continuing to collect data from uh, faculty regarding instructional delivery, classroom configuration, and classroom technology. So, you know, we were talking, again, about the pace that we move, and we've been talking at the Facilities Committee how important it is to have that dialogue. So we put together a survey and sent it out to the faculty to try to get what do they use in the classroom now, what do they want to see moving forward, do they want tables and chairs, student desks, do they want their students to have electronic devices at their desk, is that the way that they plan on delivering instruction? And to get that information, I sent out this survey. I sent it out, thought I allowed enough time for that, but also we had spring break in there. We have budgets due, planning processes due, and all those kinds of things. And last week, or earlier this week, I did a small presentation in front of Academic Senate and mentioned that survey again, and then I got a whole flood of them again. So it's one of those things. People need time to take the time to uh, put that information together. Uh, I've made presentations to several groups, as I mentioned, the Academic Senate, Classified Senate, ASNVC, the Budget Committee, Instruction Council. Uh, I'll be making a presentation tomorrow at the uh, Planning Committee, and also will be doing one next week with the uh, Administrative Senate. And I'm also planning two forums next week for the campus community. So what I'd like to do, again, in, in the essence of time here, is I'd like to come back hopefully at your next meeting where I could share more information of where we're thinking uh, along some of the lines and show a campus map and those kinds of things to identify some of the improvements, possible new constructions and reconfigurations as the committee has been talking about those. Uh, any questions on that? I realize I went fast. So does that drive your submission to the chancellor's office on the five-year capital? Uh... It, it, it does. So that's that, thank you for bringing that up. So at the June board meeting, I'll be bringing the five-year capital outlay plan that will have our list of uh, our building priority projects. 
So our current thinking is adjusting a little bit what we had submitted last year. So that's one of the things that's why I'd like to come to your next meeting to show you some more information so when I come with that list in June, it won't be brand new to you. Or rather than rounding up the usual suspects. For this. Right, exactly. We want to make sure that we don't do that because, again, we have some really good information that we're pulling from uh, the educational master plan. And to Diane's point about we want to make sure that we don't just use data that we're analyzing a little bit. So we want to make sure that we take appropriate time uh, for the actual plan for its approval. But we do want to pull from that for the five-year capital outlay plan. Yes, Joanne. Um, so what's the, uh, what's the world of uh, energy and uh, grants for PG&E is probably the first thing that pops to my mind, but other environmental programs that are offering incentives for to do, uh, uh, you know, certain environmental state-of-the-art kind of stuff, the LED, the green, the... Uh, the, the Prop 39 money has uh, a couple more years as it's currently structured. Later on the agenda tonight, I'll be bringing the proposal for the third year. It was initially designed as a five-year plan. Uh, the Chancellor's Office, PG&E, and other folks are having conversations about what this might look forward as we go down the road to see if the governor wants to continue that funding. There seems to be a lot of interest, particular for community colleges, to move some kind of mechanism forward for that. Unfortunately, the K-12s have not made good use of that funding so far. And so as a program, it isn't thought of as positively with the legislature as it might be. But the community colleges as a whole have been really using the money to good effect. So LED lighting is still out there. We'll continue to do that until we essentially have the campus caught up. Uh, related to solar things, there aren't a tremendous amount of things for us related to rebates and those kinds of things right now. What about uh, the Chancellor's Office, I mean, with your plan that will come through in June, uh, is there any money, I mean, I know part of the reason we put the plan together is to, uh, and prioritize is to, to capture anything that the state has to be in line for. Right. And the biggest problem that, or the holdback there is, is that, uh, Governor Brown has not shown any indication that he wants to put a statewide facilities bond for community colleges or higher education on the ballot. Uh, there's been another group that's tried to do that separately that's mostly tied with K-12, but there would be some community college money associated with that. They're still talking about that as a possibility. So uh, typically our projects, we don't fall in line for a lot of the funding primarily related to utilization. And that's one of the things that we've had the conversation start here about the fact that we really need to look at how we use our existing facilities as we move forward to see where we can be in line so for that. So we're still, we're still in that state of yeah, utilization as far as how they calculate their numbers. Yeah. Exactly. So there's that piece of it. We, do, we would qualify for some of our oldest buildings, our original buildings, for 50-50 match. But, again, that's the other piece of it. That would help potential funding down the road go further, but it doesn't come up with the math part of it. Thank you. Yes, Amy, go ahead. We didn't talk about it, but one of the findings um, had to do not only with linking the facilities master plan with the educational master plan, but also having a facilities master plan that was based on a realistic 
assessment of our current funding uh, and resources. And so I'm wondering, given that is, I mean, I guess I can wait till the forum, but I'm curious if the plan is, is based on current resources or is it based on a future bond? Because you mentioned things like lab space and upgrading technology and so forth. So I'm wondering, given those two things, the fact that, um, you know, that we heard tonight that the bond may be a few years off and accreditations comment about having a plan that's realistic based on current funding. I'm wondering what does this plan look like? Uh, to, to that point, the way that we've been viewing the facilities master plan is, is that we should be looking primarily at what our needs are and what we think our needs are for facilities, both expansion and renovation, and not tie too much to the funding source. So we want to make sure that we have plans for facilities that, believe, that we believe we can maintain in the future, but not necessarily figure out how to pay for. So again, we're trying to look at that piece of uh, what do we need to accomplish our mission and provide education for the students, not necessarily how it would be funded in the plan. To that end, one of the things that we want to make sure that we incorporated uh, uh, earlier, Bill mentioned uh, the idea for uh, viticulture possible building sources there and funding sources. We want to make sure that we incorporate those things into the facilities master plan so, so that when funding does become available, it can be incorporated into that. Then maybe this is for Dr. Kraft. So we're not concerned about the fact that that was one of the findings, is that they wanted us to have a plan that was more realistic based on our funding sources that we have? Thank you may have an interpretation that is different than what the intention might have been. I, th I think the rule of thumb best practice for a facilities master plan is to follow from the educational master plan. So you really do want to structure your future facilities based on what you believe you're, gonna, you're going to realize from the educational piece. It, it, I think the piece that you're really getting at is, you, you know, do we... Are you really trying to overbuild something that you can't sustain? And that answer would be no. So we'll want to start to look at, as Diana said earlier, you know, what is it exactly that the college needs to look like to be sustainable? And I think that's the key. So not sustainable in an environmental sense, but financially sustainable. So it's a delicate balance maybe, as Matt's saying. You want to address the needs but not be confined at the moment when you're addressing them by what future revenues may be. So you're not underbuilding, as the case may be, and not serving the students who may all be in line who would never be able to be served by your institution because you weren't adequately addressing the needs of the future. So it's a, it's a yin and yang, if you will. And if I could, Amy, just related to the uh, deferred maintenance that you used, it's interesting. That was what the term was forever. And then the state, the chancellor's office changed it to scheduled maintenance, like that somehow made it better. But when you talk to the people in the chancellor's office and the facilities part, they don't know what you're talking about when you say scheduled maintenance, even though that's the title of their reports. They still call it deferred maintenance. So uh, we haven't put off anything that had to be done while in an effort to wait for a future bond. I, I will tell you that. Uh, just in the last, this will be the third year in a row that we will have received scheduled maintenance money from the chancellor's office. So typically the way they do that now is they give it to us in a block grant that also is for instructional equipment and for facilities. 
and then it's up to the district to decide how that money is spent. Uh, historically, we've done a 50-50 split on that. Sometimes they want a 50-50 match from the college for the facility side. The last two years, they've said, there's no match. Here's the money. So that's allowed us to repair a, a roof uh, or replace a roof. We've done some uh, additional uh, fan replacement. So we have a list that we submit each year of our priority things, and then they let us go off of that list based on how much money they give it. And each uh, college is given a prorated share of that money. Do you know offhand what percent of the budget goes to maintenance? I, I don't. Okay. I, I don't. I can tell you what it was uh, 30 years ago, but that's not very helpful. Thank you. It was more than we have now. <laughs> I'll get that plug in there. Anything else? That's it. Thank you very much. Thank you. 12.0, consent calendar. Move 12. to accept. Inclusive, you're going... Uh, Second. 12.0 to... I'd like to pull 12.4.1. Any other requests? Okay, does your motion still hold? All those in Kyle favor signify but any discussion that will come with the what we're pulling, and we have that care leave, what we've pulled. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. All right, let's look at 12.4.1. I think this might be Oscar to address this. So you need to ask questions? Or? Yeah. yeah, yeah, go ahead, please. Well, I guess, um, so from what my understanding is that it, we would be approving paying $7,000 to hire an outside consultant to write a grant. That's correct. And to create the program that would serve Asian American students on campus um, through this grant and then do evaluation of the program. So I guess my question is, um, well, I have a couple, but I'm wondering, does the college ever write its own grants? Um, for example, the AHSI, did an outside consultant write it or did college staff write it? So that's, that's actually my first question is... Um, does the college staff ever write its own grants? Uh, two, four years ago or so, we had a grant writer, uh, Judy Walterberg, who was here as a grant writer and also had another role. And so actually she was the one that led the, the writing of the current STEM grant that we have that ends uh, this, this year in September. <clears throat> uh, but since then, we, don't ha we haven't had someone actually assigned to writing grants, at least not the ones that uh, pertain you to federal dollars or state dollars like, uh, like, like these. So... Uh, when, when grants come out, they all have different objectives in them. And so what we do is that we, we, we learn about those grants that come out, and then we sort of figure out, is this something that we may want to consider that would help the institution? Uh, because all of the, these grants may, may be named as uh, 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 so Asian Americans or Hispanic uh, certain institutions, what have you, but the ultimate uh, goal of the grant is to help the institution and all students. Um, so to answer your question, we don't have anyone who's assigned to writing grants. Judy used to uh, re research those that might be available to us, those that we, those that we might want to consider. But, uh, uh, but as far as four years ago or so, we don't have anyone. It, it, do we have the expertise on campus to write grants such as this? 
for these federal ones, I would say no, because they're very time-consuming, and you really have to know the nuances of what the federal government is, is, is asking for, because they, they're very competitive, and so you have to make certain that, that you meet the criteria that the grant is for. And within that criteria, there's about 24, uh, 21 best practices that, that are used by the federal government, by, by the readers of these grants, and they expect you to, to adapt one, two, or three of those best practices within your grant and indicate how that's going to happen. So there's, so they're very, they're very precise and they're very competitive. So there was somebody specifically. We had a grant writer. Was what what led to the decision to not have a grant writer? Is is that something that the college has considered bringing back? Um, bring it, in more money. It was funding. It, it was money for for that position in particular uh, as a grant writer. That's that was my understanding. So where my mind went with this, because I remembered it talked specifically about the Filipino students, that that's what qualified us to apply for the grant. And I remembered that last year's student equity plan targeted Filipino students as a, a student needing services, as a group of students needing services. And so I went back and looked at the student equity plan, and it talked about how last year they were um, the college was going to gather information about these groups, including um, the Filipino students. This year... Um, Needs were going to be identified and interventions uh, piloted. Um, and so it seems like already a lot of work has been done identifying um, information and the needs of Filipino students and experimenting with interventions. And I, so I just was wondering, is the team that was working on that, if they had, um, and now with the hiring of a director of equity and inclusivity, if there was the knowledge and the expertise um, to write the grant in-house? That was my question. Probably not. What, we, what we've done is that we, we, uh, we invite uh, the departments or the staff or the faculty who may be interested in this particular grant. For example, for, for the current uh, HSI grant that we, that we got in October, I, I organized two forums to invite the college community to see if they were interested in any of the, the, the objectives that were that part of the grant. In, in, this, in this one, in, in, in that PZ one, uh, what we've done is that I've invited uh, uh, folks from, from health patients because uh, – a large portion of our Filipino students, not all of them, but a large portion are enrolled in health occupation sort of uh, you know, classes and courses. And that's one area that they, they discuss also has a, uh, uh, an, an achievement gap that they'd like to see you know, narrowed. So we've been focusing on that area yeah, of health occupations, but there's other parts of the campus and students that we've also been uh, coming up with thoughts and ideas on. But ultimately, these grants serve the entire institution with a focus on a particular student population that's noted. How much is this one? Uh, what uh, do we, this is a total of uh, $1.75 million? million. So it's about $350,000 $350, a and, year. And uh, $7,000 to, to the grant right. Correct. To All approval of 12.4.1. I have a couple comments on this also. Um, Go for it. Yes. One, I mean, it's to kind of what Amy's getting at, um, but it, it does seem to me, I don't have a lot of experience in this, that, but grant writers, the $7,000 is, is cheaper than what we could do it for. Absolutely. Um, but I, I have some technical <laughs> issues. This contract, is this something they gave us? Yes, it's, 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 their, it's their standard contract for, for this particular uh, firm. Is this reviewed by our legal Department is reviewed by by our by our v, 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 PAS and review it, 
And the thing with this with this with this particular firm, uh, they've already written. I think they've written three contra- uh, three grants for us that have been successful. So it's a group that we're familiar with uh, that we have a lot of confidence in. And um, but it's a contract that's pretty standard uh, for this particular uh, group. Yeah, and that, those were going to be some of my my questions that I. I don't look at a lot of uh, contracts like this, but I, I look at a lot of contracts. But just looking at this, uh, a couple issues that I see um, that even though this is you know some a group that you know we've had good experience with, um, I'm looking at section four point zero one minimum amount of service and thinking, well, if if they're going to work for us for this grant, uh, that section uh, talks about them being able to, to work for whoever they want. And that's something that, that typically you see in an uh, independent contractor situation. But um, I think, well, if they're gonna, we're going to hire them for this, we don't want them going out and applying for that same grant for somebody else. Why aren't we you know, limiting that, uh, changing that? Um, and then another part, 6.06, that says that, you know, if the grant isn't funded or, or the funding goes away or something, there's a 90-day period they can continue to work and we have to pay them. That makes no sense to me. Um, there are a couple other more minor things, but, but those to me seemed like, you know, significant issues. Well, being a lawyer, as you know, you know a lot of these contracts come with a lot of Verbiage and the verbiage is to protect themselves, but the idea is also to make sure that that in, in this case, the college is also you protected. So I think a lot of this verbiage is I mean legally, so to speak. But I think the key is if you have that I mean, that confidence, if you have the understanding with 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 a grant writer, uh, I mean as we have, we know that there's something that if things should go awry, that things can be worked worked out. If that and it's been it hasn't been the case yet. I don't expect right. it to and be. that's I tell my clients that a lot. I said it's it it's never a problem until it is. Yeah. Um, and, knock on wood. Uh, you know, and you do have to have some amount of confidence when you're doing business with people. Absolutely. But those are the kinds of things that can become issues. Understandable. And, and cost you know the district you know you know if it does happen. Understandable. I, I guess what I mean I respect what he has to say and um, about that and I guess my mind there I get. The valuation piece, because nobody likes to evaluate their programs, and it's very difficult um, and time-consuming, but actually writing the program, I, to give that up to an outside consultant, it just seems like who better besides people within the college who care about these students and know these students and have actually done research as part of the student equity plan and piloted interventions. It just seems like the college would be best to design the program. I wouldn't want to give... Right. To an outside agency to design a program that I was going to do with stu- our students. Right, but see, but what what we do here is that is that that's where we get the input from the faculty, from the staff, and from the folks here with the ideas in terms of what what programs or what activities we see would best benefit our students. Because you're right, we're the ones that know what what our students need. So the ideas are then shared with with the grant writer, and then he or she comes up with what you know based on that. Uh, list of 21 best practices, which ones of those would apply to the grant that we want to write to make it strong and, and uh, make, it, make it imperative. So, um, I mean, that's, that's how things work. So you, you don't feel that the new person we hired tonight has the skill to do oh, this? No, no grant, grant writing is a very specific and um, very meticulous task. Uh, 
and, and especially when it comes to federal government grants because they because they are very precise. I mean, you miss one. I mean, you you write one word more than what you have to, or, or the limit, and and you're discarded. They don't read your grant. Okay. What about what Rafael said? The legal issues. Um, I just I think in general that. Absolutely. Okay. We'll, we'll have you look at it in the, in the next time or something. We'll have another grant. Uh, what these grant applications, we'll have you look at it. Would, do you have an idea of how we could amend it to tighten it up to protect the college? Well, I'm assuming that uh, the first time you worked with this grant writer, you probably negotiated some things, and, and that's usually when you, you get these things changed, when you're negotiating and, and going over the language. Um, that's why I was asking if it had gone through the legal. Um, and at this point, I don't know what the timing is. And, and we often, you know, it's, it's time to do apply or they've got to get going. Yes. Uh, you've got some limitations there. So yes. I don't know what that timing was. If, if we had a lot of time, I'd say, well, and, you know, we want to change this language. <laughs> uh, my, my, my recommendation would be that, that, uh, that we not do that this time because there is uh, there, there's a time element that, that we have to really work on because again this comparative uh, we worked with with faculty and staff here already I understand you know, the concerns about your I mean, legalese but uh, again there's sometimes we need to have that trust in the individual that you're working with um, and in this case I have my fullest you know, trust in this individual and, and, and the company and at this time to make any changes or to go back and forth and to Haggle this and haggle that would be detrimental to this grant application, and we won't qualify for it because we won't be in time for it. Did anybody second my motion to approve this? Uh, yes, we do. Okay. Uh, it's uh, Joanna Kyle. Call the question. All those in, we have a, a motion and a second. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Oscar. Thank you. Educational Master Plan Update 13.1. Hi, Robin. Here you are again. Um, Yeah, I've I've asked Robin to do a couple different things here. One, she's going to go over the Educational Master Plan and just kind of take us through a bit. And also, I, I think in terms of some of the um, structure of the educational master plan, we are kind of fortunate because the, some of the most of the educational master plan steering committee is also in the room, um, which was the Council of Presidents. So I, I asked Robin to kind of allude to that, and if you have other questions um, during the during this presentation, I'm hoping that Amanda and Chris would would um, kind of lean into that as as um, steering, midi, steering committee members. Um, Kim was also on that, but um, in the blush of his new um, <laughs> award, I think he went out to celebrate. So, yeah. and, and also Eleni, the student, the president of the ASMVC was a part of that. So um, this is an exciting agenda item because it represents the final step in a process that began in September of 2015. So over the past eight months, the EMP Steering Committee that uh, Ron just alluded to, which was comprised of our constituent group presidents, 
um, as well as the planning committee and constituent groups have all been receiving regular updates of data included in the EMP. So I should make that a little more distinct. There's an EMP um, steering committee, and then there were other two, two other bodies that were identified as uh, receiving regular um, updates. Uh, one is the planning committee, and the other is the constituent groups, and that's been um, facilitated by the steering committee um, members themselves. Um, so in terms of quantifying um, some of the activities uh, over the course of the past eight months, I have some figures for you because that's what my office does. Um, and so over the course of the past eight months, we've had at least nine meetings of either the steering committee or um, the steering committee um, as part of a Council of Presidents uh, regular meeting, and that does not include any uh, subcommittee meetings um, or working groups. We also have presented the um, data and narrative and opportunity for discussion at at least five planning committee meetings and at least four meetings of the Academic Senate. Uh, the EMP update for 2015-2016 was developed through an inclusive process that involved faculty, classified staff, students, and administrators. And as you know, the board has received regular updates as well. Um, to provide some balance on the qualitative side, uh, per the recommendation of the EMP steering committee, we extended the timeline to allow more opportunity for interaction discussion and engagement with the data, as well as the challenges and associated strategies that emerged from the EMP development process. And I'd like to say that the final product, I think, benefited from the opportunity for additional and really more meaningful uh, engagement during that time. Um, I personally would cite the development process for the 2015-16 the EMP update as one of the exercises that accomplished a few things related to the campus culture. And one is that it helped raise awareness of the campus community um, of data and anticipated changes in the surrounding landscape. It also increased the understanding of how data can be used to inform planning. And it represented a preliminary step in creating a common understanding of some of the challenges facing the college so that we can work together to address those challenges. Um, as you know, the EMP update is part of NBC's uh, integrated planning structure and already to date, the EMP has been folded into the annual unit level planning for 2016-2017 so that programs and services across the college can begin implementing strategies to help address the identified challenges as soon as possible. Um, as indicated here on the general timeline uh, that's projected, the planning committee reviewed and took action on the uh, educational master plan update on April 1st. The planning committee is charged with reviewing and approving all institution level plans for consistency with the college mission and the institutional strategic plan. And so that was completed uh, on April 1st. And then earlier this week, as Amanda and others have alluded to, um, on the 12th, the um, complete draft of the EMP update was approved by the Academic Senate, and I think it was unanimously among the members that were present. Uh, and um, so this is on the agenda for you to, for tonight's meeting as an action item. Um, and as Ron um, invited earlier, um, the, uh, the members of the EMP steering committee are welcome to share their perspectives if they'd like to. Um, and also I'm happy to field any questions. I have a question. Um, so, oh, it's more of a concern. Are we doing just questions right now? Oh, well, have questions or, first? Yeah, sorry, I just framing as a question. Amy, go ahead. Yeah. 
And I, I brought this up last time, and, um, and I talked to Dr. Kraft about it probably for an hour on the phone, but I, I really appreciate all the work that went into it, um, and I really appreciate the idea of looking at data and having the, the, the faculty and the classified interact with that data. Um, what I'm wondering is, I, I, when I read the process, uh, the development process, it said that Rippey um, presented the data to the EMP steering committee, and then they began to interact with the data. And I'm wondering, again, about the decision to not have any data related to academic achievement. So, um, uh, we'll, and we'll be developing um, and refining some of our um, documentation as we move forward. But really, the, the purpose of the EMP, as we've outlined it way, way back in September, is to provide some general direction um, for our subsequent planning um, steps. And there are other um, documents that do report data. And you saw an example earlier today, which was the student success scorecard, where we do obviously track um, on a regular annual basis um, student achievement um, data um, provided by the Chancellor's Office. We also have um, data that's reported regularly in the annual progress report that we um, generate every year, as well as the core indicators report. So um, part of uh, it is that, you know, there isn't a document that can, it, it would just be massive. And so I think what, um, what I plan to do is, is to develop more uh, kind of a um, document or handbook or something that if you want CTE data, here's where it resides. And this is something that Chris and I have talked about um, several times recently is that there's a lot there are, among our regular data reports, we have a lot of redundancy in them. And it's the same, you know, so the same um, piece of information is presented um, over and over in different places. And I think we can streamline that to help um, facilitate that understanding and to help direct um, you as board members, members of the campus community and the public to direct them where they need to go. Um, and uh, as I mentioned, this is uh, one step in the process, and we do plan to um, continue to strengthen the integration and documentation of the alignment as we move forward. So yeah, I guess my concern, I, I understand that data related to student achievements reported out in different places, but this is the education master plan. So for me, to not have any data about student achievement in the education master plan, which is going to be deriving the the facilities master plan is a big issue, and one of the, the issues was making sure make, it's in alignment with the mission, and the core mission of the college is student achievement. It's, it's not to increase FDS. It's not to make sure our facilities are being used. It's, it's, to, it's student achievement and student success, and so I just, I'm really concerned about that this update left that out, that there aren't any challenges or um, strategies identified to improve student achievement. I mean, just tonight we heard, you know, that 80% of the students coming in are not college-ready in English. That's a huge challenge. What, are the, what strategies are we going to employ to, to help Excuse them be me. successful? Excuse so, me, Amy. I need a, uh, if we could continue down this, other than questions and comments, we should probably have a motion and a second as an action item. I move to approve. Do I hear a second? I second the motion. All right, go ahead, Amy. Okay. Um, so I guess I just don't think it would have taken much to in the, the update to include um, current data on student achievement and to identify some challenges around that and some strategies for improving it. Um, and if it's not going to be in this document where 
in terms of our big documents, where is it going to be? It's not going to be in the facilities plan. It's not going to be in the campus master plan, uh, the technology plan. It's going to be in the education master plan. This is the edu- the big plan for education. So uh, looking at also accreditation, the recommendation one we talked about tonight, it says student learning improvement in all disciplines is a visible priority in all practices and structures across the college. So again, I, I like what's here, um, but I think there needs to be some, the data on student achievement needs to be added and some challenges and, and strategies identified for improving it. After hearing uh, uh, Dr. Warnell's uh, recommendations, I, I like the idea, if I understand what you and Chris were discussing, is kind of having a, a family tree so that the unit plan references it, the uh, educational master plan. So we know that this is the source document. I, 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 and this timeline, I think, ought to be included as a, so this is what goes into it. And when you're looking at something else, oh, the, your reference document is this, based on that family tree. So if you're, you're down here, as a trustee, I know that follow this path, and there's my educational master plan. Um, is that what you're getting towards? That, that's the, on my agenda, in yes, any case. Yeah, yeah and I, I do, in, in response to your question, Amy, I, th- I do think, you know, as I mentioned, this obviously is a very general document. It is the starting point. Um, I appreciate your comments. I, th- I think that at least among the steering committee and particularly the um, working subcommittee groups, we saw um, some of what you're talking about as being folded into some of these general um, strategies. So as an example, um, one thing that came out of the data and discussions across the institution, and it, there is at least one page that has successful course completion, retention, persistence, so there is some data in this document, um, but it says to create a full and inviting college experience to attract and retain students, and that's part of the getting to uh, student achievement outcomes is that you're not going to achieve your goal if you don't if you aren't retained in the first semester, successful in some of your courses, and then come back the next semester and persist toward those goals. So it is embedded in there in a, um, for now, um, generic or general way. Um, and the idea, as I mentioned, that it's been folded into unit planning. It's not really um, you know, the, the approach that uh, we established at the beginning and that the um, steering committee as well as planning committee um, and other uh, supported was that then it's really up to counseling to, to determine what their role is in um, helping to uh, implement a strategy that's appropriate for counseling. It's not really up to um, the constituent group leaders and, my, and other members of the steering committee because we don't know the ins and outs and how we're going to balance. And I think the other piece of that, um, which you've alluded to a couple times tonight, is resources. We can't do everything. And so um, that's, those are the next steps that we need to be realistic and figure out what's going to get the most bang for our buck and how, much, how many bucks we can uh, allocate toward it. So, well, since, I mean, I, I did see a few points were embedded, like you said, were added in um, that weren't there before that alludes, you know, that there's one, identify programs and course offerings that, no, that's not the one. Um, expand services, programs, et cetera. But it, like you said, it's embedded. No, there, nowhere does student achievement take front and center in terms of identifying a challenge and strategies. And what's most frustrating to me is that I know you guys are doing this. It's just not presented in the document. For example, 
um, the challenge that we were discussing tonight about the fact that most students come in not college ready. That's a huge challenge the college has to face. And you are doing dealing with that. I've been to several meetings where um, where what's being planned is that they identify these students in their junior year of, of high school and come into the high schools and per, um, do the remedial coursework there so that when they get to the college, they're college ready. So things are happening. I just would have liked to see it in the document because it feels like it wasn't a, it's not a priority. It feels like student achievement and teaching and learning, and it's not a priority. And I know that it is. It's just not reflected in this document. Please. So I actually want to make a motion. I'm going to move to amend. Uh, oh, unless okay, anyone wants ahead. to say something. Well, there's, there's a motion on the floor, but it, yeah, so if, I want to move it's to accepted amend. by the first and the second. Yeah. So I want to move to amend the motion. I know everybody's tired. It's April. I'm tired, too. But I want to move to amend the motion to accept tonight what's here, but to direct Dr. Kraft to add updated data on student achievement and identify some strategies for improving it, some challenges and some strategies for improving it. I'll leave it to you, too. Uh, you amend your motion to include that? I do not. Any other? Uh, yes, Diana. I think there needs to be, if there's a second to, right, to move to amend the motion, no? Do we need to ask if there's a second? There is a second on it. On the original. Yeah, I just moved to amend the motion to and accept they, what we they, have tonight. Their motion when they would not accept that, so it depends on how it's voted. I thought if anybody on the board seconded it, then that's the motion. Yes, Diana. So, so Amy, I actually want to say that much of what you're saying, I I agree with. Actually, M my concern, I have a couple of concerns with that, as just as a regular faculty member and also as an association president, and. It goes to the fact that we have spent, as an institution, an inordinate amount of time on this document, and our researchers have spent an inordinate, uh, just amazing amounts of time on this particular version of the Edmaster plan. And we actually need to get on with the business of talking about teaching and learning, and going back to this plan to get more data and reword things and include all this other stuff in this plan is not a good use of our time. And for me, as a, as a faculty member and an association president, it is a workload issue. Faculty need to use the time that we have now to address our assessment outcomes, to address the actual learning in our classroom, and in the next version of the plan, in another 12 years, please. Um, no, <laughs> in, the next, in the next version, I think that that's a, a, a consideration that, that I personally would appreciate that you brought to the table, but but at this moment in time, this plan, I just I urge the board to move this plan forward and approve it so that we can actually start doing all of the stuff that we really have to get done to actually meet all of those needs that students very clearly have. Um, and so that's that's just my my perspective. I, I respect that. I guess I just would like to say in general, I I'd like to. Oh, I can't make a, a comment. I'm I'm ready for the. All in the, uh, we have a a um, motion and a second. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 I do have a comment. Um, why is it that we're cutting off? Because nowhere in our bylaws is the state that we have a limited amount of time to spend on discussion. And if Amy wants to bring something up, then it in order to finish the discussion, 
we do have to call the call to the question, and that never happened. Did. So did. Did. And then it takes a two thirds vote, and then it takes a two thirds vote after that. It's not just because somebody calls the question doesn't end discussion. Right. You then call for a vote, and it takes a two thirds vote. Did we just vote on? Not how Roberts' rules work. Calling the question. No. Oh, then that's that's not how that works, unfortunately. No, it actually, is a two-thirds. Let's it is a two-thirds vote. And rerun it. So we had a a call for the question. So is there a second to the call for the question? Dan. Dan. Who made the motion? And Joanne just seconded on the call for the question. All those so in takes a vote. favor signify by saying aye. This is the vote on the to decide whether we want to vote on the call for the question. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? No. No. I'll abstain. Uh, then this is the first and the first and the second. Is that correct? So we're on the original. Learn as we go. Unamended original motion. Yes. All right. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? I'm going to abstain. So the educational master plan passes. Changes to the curriculum, 13.2. Dr. Juni. Do you have questions about it or? I'll move approval. I will second. Been moved and properly seconded. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Most curious. Gratify financial documents. This is 13.3.1 warrants for March 31st, 2016. A motion to approve warrants for March 31st, 2016. Second. Been moved and properly seconded. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. Proposal from Green Energy Products. This would be you, Matt. Sorry. If the board needs to hear you. I'll move approval. He mentioned this in his presentation. Second. All those in favor signify. Any discussion on this? If there's anything that Matt feels like we didn't cover in uh Original report. Really <laughs> right. <laughs> then I will again ask all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Aye. Thanks for being here, Matt. Motion carries. Resolution in support of college promise. Do I need to read this? Yeah, yeah no, I, well, not for me. I've read, move approval. Doesn't no? have to be. All right. And the, uh, what's that last paragraph? I do have a question if you want to scroll down. Just for clarification. You need a motion before we discuss? Yes. For what, 13.6? No, it's a question. It's a, just an information. Do you what have does, uh, increase the access award level mean? AB 1721? Yes, or AB 1892. It, uh, Increases the amount um, and the number of, or the who is eligible for uh, Cal Grant. So it broadens the pool. Yeah. Well? All right. 
All right, it's been moved and properly seconded. All those in favor signify by... I don't think we... I'll move approval. Second. There we go. We have uh, Kyle and Gabriel. Moved and properly seconded. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Thank you very much. 13-6, California Community College Trustee Board Election. Did Uh, you prepare a list? No, I I didn't. Uh, What I... My list is we need to write in somebody. This board has gone long enough without representation. Well, there there are some new ones on here. I I, I made a list, All right, let's hear so I list. will I will submit. Uh, let's see, I forget whether it's um, those that aren't starred are uh, not incumbents. Uh, so Lo, Louise Jaffe, she's an incumbent, but I I know her. She does she does very well. The other thing is that I'm looking at Northern California, so uh, the guy from Peralta uh, and uh, the Geisy from Lassen. What is it we need, Carolee, six or seven or eight? Um, how about the one from Redwoods? Yeah, Redwoods. Yeah. How many is that? Yeah. Uh, Mary Figueroa from Riverside, uh, and uh, the Carmen Avalos from Cerritos. Five. That's only five? Okay. Gabriel just suggested that Monterey is Northern California, too, so why don't we go for that? That was Monterey, yeah. I thought I did. Oh, no, Lauren Struck, Steck, yeah. So that's six. What do we need, eight? That's right in. You have strict. You have six plus strict. You just said. Yeah. yeah. I suggest we write in Amy Martinson. Yes, it's right in Seven. Amy you need one more. I have Louise Jaffe. Um, yes. Cy Bulasa, Sean yes. Geis, Sally Biggins, Burritos Riverside, and Steck. And uh, how many is that? I know we were trying to. Yes, that's so we need eight. Did you get Biggins from Redwoods? Yes, I got Biggins. Louise, I got Riverside. Cy, Mary, Carmen, Lauren, and Sean. One more. Antelope Valley was the other one I had. Well, the problem with write-ins is that this is the structure of, of the voting. It, uh, you know, it takes. Well, you know, that's. Why don't we consider diversity? Make sure that we're having we have gender equity, maybe some different ethnicities. We can look at it from that point of view. I notice there's an Italian on there from Victor Valley. Maybe we should go for that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we we have we have Kyle, Sean, Lauren, Carmen, Mary, Cy, Lewis, and Sally. Do I hear a, a first and a second to go with those n- names? Statewide election, Kyle. This is it. It's going to be huge. All right, can so I have moved. A, a motion and a. I move to approve that slate. Second. I, I, I can't second moved it. And properly second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Congratulations, Abstained. Kyle. Abstained. 
Uh, All right. That avoided discussion, Mr. Chairman. How, how do you get away with that? We were discussing when you just as did, we uh, no, you give uh, 15 minutes to. Uh, anyway, the All reason right, I, what I was nice. going to say, Kyle, is this is this is going to be uh, this is not something that's going to be positive for you because this there's a system for the point. And there isn't anybody that is on there that it didn't take three years to even. It, you've been getting some of the stuff in the mail. I mean, they're actually doing political brochures. Yeah, yeah that's, so, that's uh, any, anyway, I mean. It, I'm sorry, were you serious about writing in, Kyle, or was that? Yes, we're serious. I think we yes. should choose somebody. I, I, I think we. Do we yes. vote on this already? Are yes, we, done? we did. It's okay. done. Yes. In replacing who? Did you have eight? Did have eight. Oh my goodness! Uh, what eight do you? So have? we approved the eight without Kyle. Good because Kyle didn't need to be embarrassed by that this year. You I'm, plan I'm ahead. Donations right now. You, you, you plan ahead. We should, if you want to do it, then next year. I mean, we've got the information on this two months ago. All right, we, we let, let's clarify, Clint Curley. Who do you have? I'll read right, who and then I just have. Just single punch. Just send Kyle and nobody else. Yes. <laughs> okay. I don't have all names then because we, uh, I was not able to Michael, keep up. Michael has them. All right, I do. I have uh, Sean, Lauren, Carmen, Mary, Cy, Lewis, and Sally. Or Lois. Lois, excuse me. I have Louise, Louise. Cy, Sean, <laughs> Sally, Ms. or Miss Steck, yes. Cerritos, Riverside, and Antelope Valley. Barbara, that's Barbara. Right. Are we going with Southern California? Southern well, we didn't, there wasn't Iowa. enough to just do Northern California. I did throw out Mary Figueroa. Or, uh, Are you willing to? I mean, they did send out newsletters. So was that that was on college letterhead or how? What is the process, Joanne? Because I. Can, can we, we said we were tired and we didn't want to spend time talking about things. Can we finalize this, please? <laughs> it's not that important. <laughs> no, everybody said we're tired and we want to go home. Can we finalize the eight? We have See, we're, we're all roaming now. All right, we're, we're going to – how do you toss a vote? Um, Who's got a I, coin? I mean, he's the board chair, so I think it's, it's – his name is on the piece of paper. It was on my piece of paper. Well, we voted on Kyle, so let's uh, – so who who isn't on there? Um, go go with um, let's see. Yes. Yeah. Where's Riverside? Oh, Mary no. Figueroa. Yes. Okay. So yeah, no, Mary Figueroa is coming off. Yes. Kyle's going on. Thank you. He knows yeah. how to do that. He's, he's very good at it. Start. All right, 14.0 uh, uh, board reports. Um, the, um, uh, a note here that in the agenda, uh, somehow the ad hoc committee on board policy and, and bylaws, that's what we were wrestling with earlier, uh, was left off the agenda. So if, if uh, the respective board members wanted to mention that in their trustee reports, uh, Listen, um, and also, um, um, well, I'll get to
get to my report. Uh, 14.1.1, Viticulture and Winery Foundation, Board of Directors. I understand that meeting's next week. Is that correct? I believe you're right. Yeah, so there was, there's been no meeting, so that no. meeting is... Uh, no, but I do have something to say. Yes, please. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I, um, the meeting's coming up, so I, I have nothing from our meetings to report. But um, last month, the uh, Mexican-American Vintners Association, we were having our meeting here on campus, and... We had the director of the Enology and Viticulture Program of the University of Ensenada from Baja was on campus and actually came over to our meeting, and they were here to present uh, or to drop off uh, another uh, award that the wines uh, from the winery here received in the international competition that they hold every year. Uh, last year, I guess, we competed and won a couple of medals there also. So, uh, I, and then I was looking through our website, and I didn't see that anywhere publicized.